Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates, Send in the Clowns, The Phoenix Tube Company, CelebrityTrips.com, The Law Firm of Decalator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and Relish Restaurant of Kings Park. Here are your hosts, Mark and A.J. Joining us now is a man who is the lead writer and creator of MetsBlog.com. Prior to making MetsBlog.com a full-time job, he worked as a communication strategist for politicians, authors, and entertainers. In 2007, he partnered with Sportsnet NY, the New York, the TV home of the New York Mets, to develop more in-depth content for MetsBlog.com while working to create new team-specific blogs for their website, SNY.TV. He's the author of a fun new book called The New York Mets Fans Bucket List. If you're watching on Facebook Live or Sportscaster, you'll see it right now. I'm holding it up. It is a thrill to welcome Matthew Cerrone to WLIE 540 AM Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Matthew. How's it going, guys? How are you tonight? Doing real good. Before we get in the book, uh, it's interesting in today's world of social media to talk to people who excel in it. I look at you and Adam Rubin, and I'm totally amazed at how good you guys are at it. So first off, what was your initial vision and goal of Mets Blog, and what was it about Mets Blog that made it stand out amongst so many? I mean, every person seemingly has a blog. What made Mets Blog stand out so much far and above everybody else? Wow. I mean, well, that's a, that's a, a, a big question, more than it seems, because you have to remember, I, you know, I started this in 2003, 2004, so, you know, that was a long time ago. Uh, the space was really still taking shape. Uh, this was before someone like Adam Rubin was even doing digital. Like, he was still, you know, the beat reporter for the Daily News at the time, and, you know, print was still very prevalent, and, and blogs were really just sort of catching on. Um, and so I, I started the site in the model of a couple other little trendsetters that were out there. Brian Hope uh, at the time wrote a set called Mets Online and, you know, the Faith and Fear and Flushing guys. And there were a couple others that are still around. Uh, Steve Keen with the Eddie Cranepool Society. These are some old school Mets blogs that were around back then when I got started. And, you know, they were doing just very much opinion. And I, I, I tried that at first. And eventually I took to the idea of doing news with reaction. Um, you know, with this idea that, you know, you got, you know, you, you can go to your meeting, you can go to your kids' little league game, but you keep back to the computer, you know, I got your back. I'll let you know what happened, and here's what to think, and here's a little bit of context. And so it became more about customer service and more about helping people kind of keep them in the loop in time as it was just expressing my opinions and, and reporting news. So I think the, the service end of it really helped sort of you know, get from one era to the next. And then when I partnered with SNY, that really kind of um, helped me kind of bring it to the next level of being able to get a little bit more access to players and, and get on field and take photographs and, and a lot of the different experience for myself as a fan. And, uh, you know, from there it just kind of kind of went. Interesting. You mentioned Steve Keen uh, for long-term listeners of WLIA Sports yeah. Talk. Stevie was our first Mets beat reporter going back to our internet days on Ustream.tv 10 years wow. ago. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, you, we mentioned in the open that prior to the Mets blog, you worked as a communication strategist for politicians, authors, and entertainers. Political leanings aside, uh, while you were in the industry, could you have ever foreseen what just took place Social media wise, in in politics, that really just, swayed just an don't, election. Don't start a kafefi. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I will say this. Um, you know, it's 
<laughs> politics, sports, it doesn't really matter. I mean, if you're in media and you're in communication, you're always looking to sort of arbitrage some sort of, of weak, you know, some sort of white space, an area where you can sort of dominate and cut through in a way that maybe others aren't. It doesn't really matter what, what the, the, the industry is. The medium is going to be exploited in some way, shape, or form. And so it's not really surprising, you know, that a lot of these things are going on the way they are. Because, like, you know, our, our current president, again, political positions and policy doesn't really make so much of a difference. I think it's hard to argue the fact that this is a person who understands, you know, how to utilize a message and shape opinion and tap into public perception using whatever tool he has access to, whether it's a reality TV show or social media or whatever it is. And, like, you know, there's a genius and a brilliance to that. And, and I think, you know, how you define that probably depends on how you think he's using those tools. But the fact of the matter is he knows how to do it. And, you know, whether it's someone like Adam Rubin, you mentioned him earlier, who, who does a brilliant job or did when he was on the beat on a regular basis in terms of, how to use social to sort of make that connection. There are still people who do a tremendous job using, you know, print medium. Uh, Greg Prince, I mentioned before, with Faith and Fair and Flushing, does an amazing job. He, you know, Greg needs breath. He needs time to sort of convey a message. He's not going to do as well in 140 characters as he is in a book about Mike Piazza that he has right now. Right. And, you know, he does a great job at that. And he can arbitrage that and take over sort of the text space in print because no one else really does it anymore, and he does a really good job. So I just think it depends on, you know, what your strengths are and knowing how to attach that to the media medium and make the, the message stick. Absolutely. Greg's books are, are, are absolutely fantastic. You know, he actually, the happy recap, we've had Greg here a couple times in the studio. Let, let's get into your book. The book is divided into six categories, things to know, things to do, places to go, things to hear, things to read, things to see. Each of the 44 items on the list have a bucket rating of one to five. The very first item in the book gets five buckets, and it's, you know, the it's called hashtag, L, hashtag LOL Mets, and it's a list of 10 <laughs> items that make the Mets while... You know, as much as we love them, they also make you scratch your head, and at times, you know, you're embarrassed and exhausted to be a fan of the franchise. Um, in spite of that, these awful moments, we still always love the team. So I guess the question is, you list 10 of the most embarrassing moments. City Field looking like Ebbets Field, Todd Hunley as an outfielder, Ricky Henderson, Bobby O playing cards in Game 6 of the NLDS, Bobby Bowe's deferred payments, which he still gets to this day, Saberhagen squirting bleach on a reporter, Scott Casimir traded for oh, the man. fixable Victor right. Zambrano, the 3.12 a.m. Willie Randolph firing, the obviously midnight massacre trades of Seaver and Dave Kingman, Tony Barnazard's uh, shirt ripping, you know, yeah, in well, front of his team, was, and, and the Adam Rubin, you know, you know, gunning for, you know, player development yeah. in a press conference. Uh, Cleon Jones, the Van Incident, didn't make the list. Well, Bobby Benigni and the, and the earplugs. In the earplugs. But here's the question. Had this book been written this week, it, does yeah, a right. Met mascot who's only got four fingers giving the middle finger make the cut? You know, it may have, but... I this particular story gets under my skin because it's so ridiculous in the sense that to be sort of like arguing about, you know, Santa Claus or Mickey Mouse. Like, you know, I love Mr. Met, but it's a costume and a mascot. Like, the person <laughs> underneath it, you know, it's like you, if, if somebody on, a, you know, at a, at a mall, a, a mall Santa did something, it doesn't necessarily condemn Santa Claus. Like, you know, it's the person playing Santa Claus. And like, the person playing Mr. Met did something that was like, you know, that obviously warranted the 
team, I guess, stepping in and addressing it. But, like, the fact of the matter is Mr. Met is sort of this other character, and it just happens to be a human being that was playing him. So it's kind of a funny thing when you think about, like, people saying, oh, Mr. Met did this. Like, well, kind of, but really he was the person wearing the outfit. So, like, that's the issue is and the fact, you're right, that he has four fingers, so technically there is no middle. I think it's kind of funny in and of itself. So um, it probably would have made the list or made an extended list. Um, in fact, there's a few things that have gone on this season that might actually have already made that list. So, I mean, and that sort of speaks to the whole idea of what this, this, this essay was about, which is, you know, I, I think to be a Mets fan in all its glory, and that's really what this book is about, it's you got to sort of understand the bottom and sort of understand the low, which is the silliness and this sort of, it's almost hard to believe some of the things that transpire and the stuff that we end up talking about endlessly in whether it's talk radio or on blog or at a bar or whatever. Like it's really remarkable when you compare it to other organizations. And like, that is a vital part I think of being a Mets fan is that sort of understanding that history and knowing what you're getting into. Let's put it that way. And the Mets did act quickly and they did fire Kathy Griffin from being Mr. Matt that day. (laughs) (laughs) Mark and I have had this discussion with, you know, we started talking back and forth. So a question about what you think the, the book will do to people. We'll give them a list of things to actually do. We'll start the discussion like we've been having for the last few minutes. You know, think another one's not on that list of ten. Bobby Valentine with the Groucho Marx classes. You know, it doesn't happen in any organization. So in terms of what you want people to do with the book, is this to be people, oh, let's start, take the checklist in the back of the book and and do these things, or start the discussion about what is here and what might have been there if somebody else were putting the book together? I think that's a fun exercise. I mean, to be truthful with you, my goal with it was, so... Let's take a step back. So Triumph, which is the publisher, they have this they have this series of books applied to pretty much every team in every sport. I think they had, you know, for instance, Peter Abraham uh, did the Red Sox one. He's a, Mets, uh, a Red Sox beat writer. He did the Red Sox one. Um, Mark Feinstein did the Yankees. He's a Yankee beat writer at the time um, for the Daily News. So they they had all these different people sort of author these books and come up with these lists. What makes me unique in this situation was I'm the only one really that that isn't a beat writer. I'm a fan of the team. A lot of the things in this book come from being a fan of the team forever and, and going through it as a child and, and, and all these different things I experienced as a fan, not necessarily as a reporter. Um, so I, I, I was excited. It was one of the reasons why I wanted to do it was because I felt like this was an opportunity to write these little nuanced kind of pieces about the experience of Mets fans, at least my experience, as opposed to just, you know, uh, the day-to-day news and rumors cycle that I that I write about on Mets blog. This was a chance to kind of flex that other muscle and, and relive some of these things. Uh, in terms of what I want people to get out of the book, quite honestly, I, I really like when I'm hearing, I, I've had a lot of feedback of people read it and then they gave it to, you know, their mother or their wife or their, you know, their whoever, you know, to understand kind of what they go through as a fan. It's like, hey, read this. This will sort of explain to you what it is to sort of be a Mets fan. And I, that, to me, is, is been the best part. Like, Because that was part of why I wanted to write it, was to sort of capture this flavor of the fabric of, of Mets fandom and all the ridiculousness, the fun, the, the different events, the big games, the hit, you know, little sort of pockets of history. You know, they get mesmerized music, you know, the song. The, the you know the '86 Mets video and, and all those kind of all those little things right the Grand Slam single you mentioned the, the glasses on Valentine all these things that don't show up in record books 
or wins and losses or, you know, um, or, or retired numbers. Like, these are sort of the nooks and crannies of what it means to be a Mets fan. And I, I just felt like, you know, it would be nice to kind of catalog this and sort of write my experience with it in, in all these different things. Now, I think what's also cool about it is, you know, it's so hard to believe that the Mets have been you know, there my entire life, yeah. you know. 1960, they came about 62, but the history for some of the younger fans, like for Ryan, I mean, there's yeah. a whole chapter in here about Gil Hodges and educating people yeah. about Gil Hodges to really know the franchise right. history. Um, in the things to do category, it's truly a sign of the times that it to eat at City Field gets four buckets. Now, for me and probably AJ, yeah. the highlight as a kid, like the, the big news was Shea Stadium, behind home plate, got a Carvel. Right. And you could go and get a Sunday with in a, with, in a, in a in baseball a cap. cap. Yeah. And that was like, that was big eats for us. Um, but it's interesting because of all the great food that's there now, you single out the premium hot sausage, peppers, and onions Love it. as the thing the to day. go. So, all right, so <laughs> let's, let's change that a little bit. If someone's listening to now uh, on the radio or watching us on Ustream or, or any of the other, you know, platforms we're streaming over, and is only going to three games this year. Premio Sausage, that's one. What are the other two places they have to hit food-wise? I don't. I mean, that is impossible to make that suggestion. i got to be honest with you. I mean, because it depends on who you are and what you eat. That, that is the beauty of that ballpark. I, and I give them credit. You know, the team on field aside, like, they could probably open that place up just to, like, walk around and, like, eat. <laughs> whether there was a game going on or not, because, like, the quality of what's going on in there in terms of, of, of uh, food is pretty impressive. Like, compared to other ballparks, it's, it's pretty solid, and I give them credit for that. Uh, I think being in New York and having access to a lot of these different chefs, and it's good marketing and advertising for a lot of these people, too. That's why things are in and out of there so quickly. Personally, the cookies at, uh, at, at uh, the um, Mama Fuko, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I could eat those cookies all day long. The turkey, mozzarella, um, you know, you know, sandwich at uh, Mama Corona's is just ridiculous. Like, I love it. It's the best value you're going to get for what you get out of it. Like, you can't even eat that thing in one sitting, and yet, you know, it's a reasonable price. Like, there's some really good, just basic stuff. Like I mentioned, the sausage and peppers. Like, I was there the other day. It's really early because I had to do a radio interview, and they fire up that grill, and that's all you smell in that ballpark. <laughs> yeah. That sausage on that grill. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going to have to get one of these things. I'm going to feel like garbage, but i got to do it because, like, how do I not? Yeah, same and thing with Pat I, I, I like the blue smoke brisket. See, and I like Pat LaFrieda. That's terrific. Pat the, the, um, my the, the, the blue smoke used to have – I don't even know if they still have it, and I don't know if I mentioned it in the book. I think maybe I did. was the um, – fried chicken sandwich that they had where they poured like the buttermilk yeah <laughs> uh it was like a sauce over and it like soaked into the breading it was so good ah oh, man that place is it's really i, I give them credit all right i have to take issue with one of the ratings in the things to do chapter i'm a veteran of four fantasy camps and i'm wondering if the circumstances okay, okay. that prevented you from attending colored your rating of only three buckets Probably, probably. <laughs> well, you know what? I, it, it's one of those things where it's expensive. So I think that factors in. You know, like I'm trying to think about it from, you know, I mean, it's, it's not cheap. So, you know, I think that's one of the things. And then, you know, I mean, you got to you got to play the game. <laughs> you know, so like if it's no, not no, you have to play like, eight games. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, it killed me that I wasn't able to go. I got sick and my grandfather passed away, so I, I wasn't able to make the trip. And I, I had every intention of going. I got my uniform and everything. Like, and it's funny because they still have the shirt with my name on it. But um, I never went. But um, 
yeah, it, t- it kills me. And like now, I'm way too out of shape and still terrible, so like, I don't think I can make it. But um, I know I, I, I knocked it down a few points. I think because of the cost and, and everything else. But like anybody that goes to it, yeah. and I guess you probably could um, uh, you, you speak to this, raves about it. They, they talk about it. It's like an unbelievable experience, it's and, and I am incredibly jealous of the people that get to go and that I that I haven't made it. In fact, at the game the other night, uh, I was hanging out with Nelson Figueroa after the press conference, Terry's press conference, and he was talking about as a player how much he enjoyed it. Um, in the things to hear. While Bob Murphy's in that chapter, I can never get enough of Murph. The one item in that chapter had me combing the internet was the Meet the Mets. You could spend a day watching YouTube clips, including this one, and we have to play this. Meet the Mets, greet the Mets, step right up and meet the Mets. Bring your kitties, bring your wife. Guaranteed you'll have the time of your life because the Mets are really shocking the ball, knocking those home runs over the wall. East side, west side, everybody's coming down to meet the M-E-T-S Mets of New York town. Now I can never get enough of listening to Bob Costas sing that song. Yeah. But can you tell us something about that song that no matter you know, no matter what age you are, if you're a Met fan, that song instantly makes you smile. It does. It's funny. I again the same day that I with the Sausage and Peppers, I was out front. I love that they still play um, you know, out, out the instrumental outside of the ballpark when you're waiting, you know, to get in. And I'm whistling it all. It's just this happy thing. And some dude in front of me just turned to look at me like, you know, angry about the fact, I guess, that I was whistling the song. I don't know if he was just like a pissed off fan or what his deal was. But, like, how do you not smile and just, I don't know, you're right. It's sunset. It's the ballpark. It's beautiful. Like, the song's playing. Like, how do you not just whistle along and have a good time, you know? Like, I sing that song to my daughter at bed sometimes. Like, and she loved it, you know? And so, like, yeah, I, I totally agree. It's just it's a fun song. And, again, it speaks to the fun in in. I hate to say silliness because it sort of makes it seem immature, but, like, it is a little it, – it's just a fun kind of silly kind of thing to do as a fan. And, like, that's so much of what baseball is supposed to be about, especially when you get into it as a kid, you know? So, like, especially, to be able to tap into that as an adult, to me, is great. And, like, that song just does that. Especially compared to how lame Here Come the Yankees is. And that was done yeah. to yeah, meet right, the Mets. Yeah, right, right. Absolutely. I mean, you, and you, you do the history. WFN started playing, like, that song recently – when they when they took the Yankees on as a broadcast partner, and it's, and I was like, what? Where did this even? Come? I never even heard this song before. Like, where all of a sudden now this is a song? Uh, you know, the interesting thing was also is that no one. I, I have to find it. I, it is out there. But the second stanza, the butcher, right, the, ba- that, the whole, that, yeah. that is. I mean, yeah. the whole song yeah. is and, great. And, and other songs that, that are very much <laughs> Metro Stadium. You know, do you remember the words of the Curly Shuffle? Right. You know, right. you got to learn <laughs> that. Hey Mo, right? Hey Mo, Hey Mo, or, or you know, the, the Lazy Mary. Right. Yeah, that's true. All right, um, we only have about two minutes before we have to go to break. Uh, in the things to see, I have to thank you for mentioning Howie Carpenter in my book in, the, in saying in the Watch Carner's Corner section, while the Mets post game on SNY is awesome and so detailed, I'm wondering, and I want to ask you, if even Steve Gelbs or Nelson Figueroa maybe once a homestand did just a, you know, a bare knuckles, kind of Carner's Corner, obviously you can't recreate you know, Ralph's innocence, but do you think a, a scaled-down, Kiner's Corner-type show could still succeed today? I don't think so. And I, I, think, I think what made Kiner's Corner, and I write about this in the book, and you, you guys did a terrific job on uh, yours, which really kind of captures the, what the, the moment in time that made it so special and unique 
was that no one was really doing that before. Ralph had this magic to him where he sort of bring in Hollywood and bring in this classic old-time player, but somebody who also was respected and understood the modern game. And, like, it just hit. It was perfect. It was right at the right time with the right team, with the right people and the right city and everything about it. And today, you know, we have, there's so much access to players. We know so much about them for better or worse thanks to social media and, and, the, and the 24-7 coverage of everything. I don't think there's really much you could gain from that type of a, a type of an interview. And I think, you know, it, it, I think it would have to be something where maybe a Keith Hernandez, maybe somebody, and I don't even know that Keith could pull it off, but somebody that has that sort of respect that Ralph had, um, you know, I, I, all due respect to Steve Gelb, but I mean, I think you'd need somebody to sort of have that. Because I think that's part of what made Tyler's Corner so wonderful is that the players were almost as much were in awe of him. As Ralph, and absolutely. so the dynamic of it was just sort of beautiful, and I, I don't, I, I don't know how you capture that today, and learn something from the player that we don't already know. Matthew, thank you so much for the book. I checked off in the back. I'm six short, three of them which I'm never going to attain. I'm too old to run the Mr. Matt Dash. I'm not getting, you know, the <laughs> Keith Hernandez stash. I'm not having any more kids, but my niece is named Shay, so I get a half point go. on that. I just I have to hang out at the seven line at one game, throw out a first pitch, and catch a T-shirt, and then I'm only three short. So I really appreciate it. Great book, a lot of fun. Where's the best place for people to get a hold of it? Uh, uh, two R's, com slash Awesome. Matt, thanks so much for your time tonight. You got it, guys. Anytime. Thank you so much. Our pleasure. Matthew Cerrone, the author of the New York Mets fan bucket list.